0: CliffCentral.com
1: Good day, welcome to another edition of The Bounce Show here, listening live Monday, otherwise on podcast, whatever day it may be. Hello, welcome. Big sporting weekend just happened with so much rugby, the cricket, the golf, and the dynamic football as always. Such, so much to really recap on today. Um, I'm not going to waste too much time around the intro today because we've got all of that Then we've got a great um, sports sponsorship discussion. Now, something that I really wanted to get into around the Olympics was how brands get involved with certain aspects of sport and sort of intricacies around that, uh, the red tape, the ownership and all that kind of stuff. So we've got uh, Hazel Chimhand Damba. She is the group head of sponsorship for Standard Bank, who do a lot of things in sport. So Hazel's going to come in in about half an hour, 25 minutes, and she's going to pack a lot of things. I've got some questions. Uh, she's someone who's very involved in the whole sponsorship um, aspect of, of things, and she'll have intimate knowledge about what goes into certain campaigns, what goes into certain deals, and why some teams are great fits for certain corporates and brands and companies and associations. These are all things as we look to broaden the sporting horizons, because what I've realized with the show is that like, I can crap on all day about what's happened over the last couple of days, and it lived for about, well, 33 minutes. So although I really want to talk about Ryder Cup this morning, I really still want to talk about the Springboks, because you know, there's a greater bearing on sport there. Uh, going forward, I'm going to have a lot more interviews like this, where we talk about aspects of sport rather than just what's happening. Of course, you can always weigh in and uh share your opinions on content on the show, Ben at dot I will get to the mail. I'll respond to you within a day. I do promise. I'm quite professional like that. So if you have anything in mind, anything you want to hear more of on the show or less of or any interviews in particular that you want, I'm all ears. The show is as much yours as it is mine. So today uh, I'm showing that with uh, a different kind of topic. But uh, yeah, getting back to sporting weekend. Wow, 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 wow. See, this is why you have to have a good couch in life. You have to have a lounge just right. You have to have your... Sort of weekend free and and flexible because there was so much sport of the weekend and missing any of it was an absolute crime. Whether it was watching the football, I mean, English Premier League, MTA Cup final, that was huge. Uh, cricket, I mean, Friday and Sunday for the pro tiers. And then if you like to play test cricket, India are sticking it to New Zealand again. And then rugby, well, the Curry Cup got to its climax stage really because end of the pool stages and then, well, the test matches. Wasn't pretty. But a win is a win. I hate using cliches. I I really do. I'm semi-allergic to them. I break out in hives when I get to it. But that's what this weekend was all about. Alistair Goodseer had one goal in mind, and it was to win. So let's start off with some thoughts from Alistair. Uh, This is basically Supersport interviewing after the 18-10 clash. And I think the words that you're about to hear kind of sum up exactly where this team is right now. And also exactly where this man is right now with regards to – it's a stressful, stressful job and uh, it's basically stayed in the office quite hectically here. Yeah?
2: 100%. I think uh, uh, you, know, you, you can take uh, so many uh, losses, uh, uh, but somehow somehow you've got to steady the ship. And the only thing that can steady the ship is a win and, and to get belief back. And I was pleased in the first half. We got the board to the edges. Uh, we had opportunities out wide there. You know, so there are a lot of positives on the attack as well. Uh, but just in general, the character in the side uh, is, is immense. Uh, Loftus uh, has really been outstanding, the crowd and the people. So it was really a great week for us.
0: Super. Well, congratulations, Alistair. Thanks very much for chatting. And uh, with that,
3: we'll go back. Blah, blah, blah,
1: blah. Okay, cool. So there's two things to look at here, right? Firstly, uh, we spoke about it last week. They're going to pick more day, and they're going to try e to win. And the only way they get confidence back is by doing that and getting a win. So let's acknowledge that, right? That's all good, well, fine, and dandy. And the conversation could actually stop right there because we can say, well, it doesn't matter how we won. The fact is we did. But... You've got it. There's always a but. And, uh, yeah, look, I'm all about the buts. (laughs) No, that's just poor phrasing. I'm all about looking at the other side of it, okay? Because now it's 2016, and unfortunately, Alistair had to go back to the drawing board as far as the kicking drawing board and scrounge out a win here because he could not possibly... Have had four losses in a row. So there's two ways of looking at that. There's the people who say, Oh, this is so annoying. We've twenty sixteen and we're getting drop goals of Mornay Stain. That's the only way we could win. But these are the same people who are saying, Oh, these springboks, they're useless, they can't beat anybody. So you've got to kind of look at it and say, right, the only way we can win right now is by playing twenty two to twenty two. Don't worry about tries whatsoever because I mean could you could you count on one hand or one finger of the weekend when the Springboks looked like they were going to score a try? There was a couple of skip passes here and there, and someone made a break from time to time, but there was nothing ever getting close to that Wallaby try line. Not even the slightest. And they didn't seem bothered. It was like they were only using a certain part of the field. Anywhere where Mornay could possibly put three points on the board, they were happy. They were content. Cool. So that's where SR Rugby is right now. Okay. So that means we are still very much rock bottom. Alistair Gusset just spoke about – and that's why I played that clip for you. He spoke about the the fight and the guts and the determination, blah, 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 blah. Seriously, it's like these people – I mean if you, you can't get a win like that, then, then you're screwed. But there's got to be more because – there's, that Aussie team is piss poor. Huh? It is terrible. It is a woeful side. And um, they've also had players they bring back because there's no one else. And they've got players playing who really shouldn't be there just yet. And they've got some players who are past it. But that is not a good side. And a spring team will always have the fight and the mongrel in it to e-cart these games. But you keep doing that. You get injured. Um, all that kind of bad things. So SA Rugby was... This is now a confirmation that we are rock bottom right. Now I know I'm not meant to be signing to negative here. You're probably thinking I'm being negative. But think of the win over the weekend kinda of like um if you are if you're in a relationship with someone, right? And uh you kinda of, you, you like them. In fact you, you love them. There's something really there. But they're a terrible drunk. And when you go out at night the true colors come in and you go you know what this isn't fun like i'm not enjoying this but you know i love this person so i'm going to stick with them that's kind of like with the spring box right now saturday it was just the true colors it was just grunt and kicking and that's how we're going to get ahead it's like being in a relationship where you you know you could do so much better other people have better relationships but you're stuck in it but you're committed and that's what it feels like for me right now and there was just confirmation on Saturday so yes it's a win and we all saw the win coming because the box just physical force alone can always win matches like this but I mean that's it huh? that is the, the the sum total of what this team can do right now I know they were saying play horses for courses you're playing at lofters you're playing at altitudes kick the ball use the territory but they weren't even good at that and uh, just to allude to that point I now bring in the official voice of rugby <laughs> Seriously, the official voice of rugby. Obviously, Nick Mather. Just to elaborate on that whole mornay stain and territory stuff.
3: Played with heart, um, yeah.
1: but unf- sorry, played with heart. There, there's the buzz
3: phrase there. Fortunately, looking ahead to next week, heart, um just might not be enough. Yeah, I, I think that uh, what we saw today was literally a desperate team that uh, that the win was everything that they were going for. So. <clears throat> I wanted to ask a question there about territory, because if you have Mornay staying in the side, presumably you also want to have territorial dominance, which we didn't get today. So I'm thinking that uh, while he did kick the penalties and uh, got the couple of drop goals, we, we actually spent 64% of, our, of, of this game in, in our own half, and uh, that's pretty dangerous. You know, it's, a, it's dangerous if you're playing a fly half who's not uh, well-known for his attacking abilities, and, uh, and you, you spend 64% in your own half, it doesn't really give you many opportunities to score tries. And if you look at the game today, when did we ever look like we were going to score a try? I don't think we did, ever. We were taking our penalties, we took uh, the drop goals, but we never looked in a situation where we could score a try. And a, a lot of the pleasure we got out of this game came from our ability to stem Australian attack. So it was... Uh, it was the great play by De Jong and Lionel Mappu holding up uh, their backline players, getting turnovers. It was Strauss playing by far the best game of, his, uh, of, of the season so far as captain and uh, getting two or three turnovers and a couple of runs. And uh, Lowe doing so well at the breakdown. Um, you know, Itzabas' tackle. Uh, we, we were sort of, it was on our defensive work that we got a lot of pleasure today. On attack, I, I, I wouldn't agree with the coach saying that the attack was good. I don't think we ever looked like scoring, quite frankly. Yep.
1: Ash? Uh, you know never looked like scoring quite frankly yeah well see the, the thing about rugby in, in SA right now it's so basic you just you don't have to listen to nick Mallet. the average drunkard at can work this out now that's how that's how one-dimensional this is all coming just look at the stats uh something i always look at the vodacom all-out rugby app is really good for this uh defenders beaten Three box 11 Oz- aussies 21 at least the aussies i mean like i said they're piss poor side right now they're played with a bit of enterprise uh Looking at that one, uh, tackles. The box will always make more tackles than the other people. That's just how the gameplay works. But out of 116 tackles, they missed 21. 21 tackles. Now, we've spoken about how the backroom staff, as to say, is not that great. And, uh, the defense is what basically woeful. So two things just keep coming back for me the whole time is it's got to be strength and conditioning. These guys are all over the place when it comes to, um, just coming up in a line, showing some intensity, it really isn't good. And it's only going to get worse when you get a team like New Zealand who are running different angles and they've got different game plans and they're constantly pushing that. Aussies were never going to test them so they can get by. But this coming weekend, well, you know, we haven't really progressed. I know Alice Goodseer said, well, we didn't lose, so that's progress. But that is really hoping for the best, isn't it? Territory, we had 40% territory with Mornay Stain as the fly half possession we had 45 percent okay that's really make a big deal but uh these are all bad things huh these are all really really bad things so as much as we want to kind of be positive and say look we've got to win we can carry on confidence comes from wins yes correct but what sort of confidence can we really take forward knowing that we're playing an all-black team that's just going to finish off this championship like it does in every other match on a winning note so later in the week if you follow me on twitter listen to the gareth cliff show I'll have a number of which uh, I think the All Blacks are going to win that one. It's as simple as that, really. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. So let's move on to the cricket. South Africa were amazing of the weekend. There's no other way to describe it. They beat the Aussies twice. Not just once, but twice. All in one bumper weekend. It was an Aussie slaying of note. It started off in Centurion, where the Aussies batted all right. They lost key wickets, but they met, did post a decent score. But then Quinton de Kock, how incredible was this dude? 178. I think it, towards the end, he just got a little bit bored. So let's get his thoughts on this amazing innings.
2: Yeah, it, was quite, it was quite enjoyable. Um, um, the wicket was quite nice to play on. Um, it allowed me to play my, my natural game. So hopefully I'm counting that there will be a couple more wickets like that in this series and can have some more fun hopefully and hopefully not just me a couple of the other boys in the team the guys are confident enough to know that they they can also uh, take away games themselves they have their own ways of doing it and they've they've also done it Um, obviously ab and hash just make it seem a lot easier than other guys Um, so yeah full confidence for all the other guys Um, i know a couple there's a couple of knocks Waiting in the lines there um, during the series That's, that we hopefully will see from a couple of the guys down down the order. No, there was no talk. Uh, we knew we know the Centurion record well enough that 290 uh, chasing us fairly poor. Um, even though I still think we could have done better um, with the ball, um, but still chasing down 290 was a was a good thing. and I'm Just happy just to get a win in our belt. Um, so yeah, we we look we're looking forward to moving moving on from this game. Um, we don't we don't get uh, such such uh, games like these quite often against Australia. So waiting waiting for the next one, and uh, we're just gonna have to see what happens. Yeah,
1: you get the point. So if you never heard Quinton de Kock speak before, that's that's him. Tremendously gifted cricketer. Wow. Just such amazing talent. And uh that Aussie Bowling line, lineup. Now, this is a lineup that doesn't have Mitchell Stark, bear in mind. It doesn't have um James Faulkner, okay, it doesn't have Hazelwood. So you keep in mind where the Aussies have been so good in the last year or so, and obviously World Cup champions, all that kind of stuff. They've just had an amazing array of people who can literally scare you shitless with the ball. All this there's, there's guile and tenacity and change of pace and all these different things. So they haven't got that right now. They've got a whole bunch of guys who can Bowl in the 130s. So against batsmen like Quinton Lecoq and Riley Rousseau like they were when they started out, it's very, very difficult for these guys to have any, any sort of threat, pose any sort of threat to South Africans which then took us onto to the Wanderers. Now, as you know, the Wanderers is just a, a swan big run fest, basically. Um, you you bet there. You're looking to make 350. I think that's kind of when the track is as good as that and the outfield is as fast as it is. That was the pass score. And the protests to, to their credit, they had a bit of a wobble here and there. Some guys didn't kick on, but Fafdu C was absolutely rock solid. Yes, he didn't get any sixes, after um you know being out there for so long. Some people did criticize the fact that it wasn't flamboyant enough. People just aren't ever happy in this country with crickets, aren't they? The were doing an amazing thing on on the weekend though. So Faf went on and scored one hundred and eleven. JP Dumini was brilliant. Um eighty two. Here's a guy who doesn't get enough credits, I think. I know he's disappointed and he's let us down on key occasions and hasn't really kicked on for this, for the fact that he's played so many matches. But eighty two from fifty eight, three sixty one in the end. And um well it was always going to be a huge, huge ask against the Aussies. So, well, we all know what happened from there. Okay, the Aussies got completely rolled out. Uh, just Warner showing some resistance, and then uh, Travis head further down. But the important thing about this weekend to understand about the Proteas right now is that there's no Bintovillas, right? Now, in the past, you look at a team and go, "Well, if AB doesn't get a hundred, we haven't got a chance of winning." There was no Hashim Amla this weekend, despite the fact that he was he was fit, he was ready to play. Again. In the past, we've gone into every single match going, unless these guys fire, we haven't got a hope in hell. But here it was a Proteus team without those two players. Here it was a Proteus team with some fresh faces. And here it was a Proteus team that could basically go out there and say, right, guys, we need to start winning without these guys. We need to start basically playing to other parts of our potential. I and mean, we need people to really step up. And as much as you want to knock guys like Wayne Parnell, um, JP Dumini, they are stepping up. I know there's little question marks over Fahan Beyardin. Like I, I still think the guy does have a place in, the, in this team with A.B. out. Um He's just as much value there, I think, if not more than David Miller. So I think it's a really, really good side. And Pelagwayo, um, this guy, wow, I think he's going to be really amazing as well. He's a bit of an all-rounder, so it's not just the bowling, he got four wickets in the Centurion. And then he was pretty handy at uh, the Wanderers as well, getting two wickets there and some vital runs towards the end. So this series might be a bit one-sided, more than we thought, because the Aussie bowlers aren't that great. But you've still got to beat these dudes. And so many times in the past in South African sport, we've taken on a position that isn't quite at their best, but we still haven't got the job done. So this is the time to be really excited about SA Sport again. I know we've had a terrible year, and we keep going about the fact that, oh, you know, this is that, and this is crap, and we're getting let down here. And there's been so many bad things. But this is a time where we can go to work on a Monday, and for the whole week, we can actually beam with enthusiasm that our sport's really giving us something exciting at the moment. Yes, the Springboks have a long way to go, but this protest side right now, they could not be making better progress towards the big tour towards Australia. That is the massive exciting thing there. Next match will take place um, yeah, because it's a five-match it's five, um, five match series against the Aussies. So look for the next match to be Wednesday. That's the 5th of October. That's at one thirty in Durban. And uh, by all counts, the outfield is fixed. The outfield is good. So that match will be going ahead. Hopefully there's no rain. And then Sunday, 9th of October, will be at Port Elizabeth. And then the following Wednesday, the 12th of October, will be the final match in the SA versus Australia ODI series. Will it be 5 mil? Well, I think the games will be a little bit tighter once you get down to the coast. Um, the Aussies and everyone else feels a lot more comfortable playing uh, at sea level. So... That was the cricket from the weekend. We have to get onto the golf. And what an amazing, just incredible spectacle that was for golf. I know the American fans were dreadful. But uh, that was to be expected, really. It's, eventually, it's like white noise. You, you block it out. Much like the players said. The more they shouted, the more they sort of blended in and inspired them to play. And uh, everything kind of went into this final match between Roy McIlroy and um, uh, Patrick Reed.
2: <laughs> I'm telling you, this is insane. <laughs> The crowd could not be more empty. Is Rory yes.
3: Another one? Yes!
1: <laughs> a- All weekend you just hear shouts and cheering. I've never seen so many putts drop. It was just the greatest thing. It's like watching majors, but like times twenty. So the clip I just played you now was Rory sinking like a fifty footer. On this par three, and they were going. He was going head to head with Patrick Reed right from the starts, and then Patrick Reed standing there. The entire crowd is now stunned because Rory's jumping around, he's screaming, he's shouting. He just holds a fifty footer. Reed's got a twenty footer of his, of his own, and then, and then this happens.
3: Oh my goodness! Look at him! Look at this!
1: I think for for decades to come, this Ryder Cup is going to be played out, and you're going to be seeing clips like that exchange there between Rory and and Patrick Reed. It was just golf at its highest, highest order. So if you look at how it started, right, the Americans came out of the blocks firing. They were absolutely amazing. They were four nil up straight away in the foursomes. Now foursomes, of course, as you know, it's an alternate shot format. So one guy tees off and this guy plays the second. Or in the case of Phil Mickelson, he hits it out of bounds and then the other guy then tees it up again. So four nil, the Americans were up. That was incredible. Afternoon four balls, Europeans fought back three one. I remember Europe have been so dominant in this match that they've won the last six of seven matches. Okay, they've won the last eight of ten. These guys just don't really lose because they've got this amazing team unity, and uh, they just seem to work with their talents. You know, on paper, America generally is the better side. Uh, if you go on world rankings, obviously the Americans are always higher because the events they play generally have more world ranking points. Blah blah blah. Anywho's, so um, day two, the morning foursomes. Well. America was again just kind of pipped the Europeans there, but there were signs there that the turn, that it was the tide was turning and the Europeans were just getting their, their combos right. Two and a half to one and a half, the USA won that morning session, but then just strange captaincy picks. Cabrera Bayo was doing so well with Sergio, he got benched. Um, it was just odd that, like, um, Clark made a few telling decisions there, which I don't think played out for his team. Whereas Davis Love, whatever he decided, well, it went really well because in the afternoon, four balls on day two, the Americans won that one 3-1. So they went into the final day with a pretty big lead. It was, uh, three points, uh, which is a big lead going into the signals. Uh, if you were making references towards the battle, um, the miracle of Medina where America was four points ahead. So they had 10, Europeans had six and they went into that final Sunday and we all know what happened there. The Europeans came back so strong. So it was all against the Americans, uh, sorry, all against the Europeans going into the final round. And all they had to do was basically get, I think it was six points five and a half points. And then they were, they were done. They, they had it, but with the top half so stacked in the Europeans favor. You kind of thought that maybe the momentum could get up there, but certain guys had to win their matches. Roy McIlroy had to win his match. Patrick Reed played like an absolute demon. He was absolutely incredible. And this will go down as probably, in my opinion, the greatest Ryder Cup duel that we've seen in modern times.
2: Barry McIlroy, Dan, I mean, this is an enormous, incredible week from so many different perspectives. Let's start with today and the match that you had. Those first eight holes, I mean, it was like a football game broke out out here. Can you talk a little bit about the emotion between you and Patrick? Yeah, for sure. Um, Like, I I knew what I needed to do right from the get-go. I mean, we two of the two of the leaders of our team record crowds on hand this the final game uh, the emotion that we show out there and uh, i knew i needed to keep doing that if, if i wanted to have any chance to to win that match and for the first eight holes i was doing it pretty well and just sort of ran out of steam it's been a long week and um you know patrick played great today as he has all week and um you know i just didn't quite have enough at the end to, to try and stop him a lot of fun stuff going on between the two of you. Was it fun stuff? Are you guys good? Yo, for sure. Yeah, you know, we were congratulating congratulating each other after playing some great shots. And yeah, I mean, it's uh, it was all played in the right spirit, which was which was great. I think that's the the most important thing. Yes, we mocked each other a little bit and whatever, but at the same time, it was all in good fun. And um, yeah, no problems with Patrick Reed at all. He's been immense this week.
1: Absolutely immense. And these are career to moments because you look at Patrick Reed and you know the next time that guy's in contention for a major, he's probably going to get it done now. He was amazing at Glen Eagles. He was even better this time round. Now it's Hazeltine. It really is just so amazing. And you got to feel for like these international players who don't get the Ryder Cup. And a President's Cup is like a very distant third compared to this. But what it does for these guys' careers. The other big game at the top was Justin Rose versus Ricky Fowler. Now, if you looked at it on paper, you would think Justin Rose was easy going to have it. I think he was two up pretty early. But then Ricky fought back, and he ended up beating Justin Rose one up. Now, that was basically, I think, that was the end. Because they needed the points at the top. They didn't get them. And then probably the second best match, if you look at the intensity, was uh, Sergio Garcia versus Phil Mickelson. These two guys just seasoned crusty veterans. Phil was all over the place throughout the week, but suddenly he got it together. When these two teed up on 18, they were all square, okay? So 17 holes, all square. Amazing match. Both of them at that stage were nine under par. Now just think about that for a second. These guys are going toe to toe, and obviously they're playing very attacking golf. But they were nine under par each. It was just scintillating that all these putts were dropping. Got to the final final green, they're both in a range of birdie. Phil jams his putt. It was amazing. He jumped up in the air, and for a rather chubby gent, that was quite a feat in itself. Sergio Garcia, not known as the best putter in the world, not known as the best pressure putter in particular, just jams in the back of the hole. The Ryder Cup was absolutely amazing. So if you did not see these kind of things, go onto YouTube. There's loads and loads of clips. And um, there's just so much to recap on here. The next one will take place in Paris. Now that will be the European one. So obviously every two years it alternates. So uh, it'll be Paris in 2018. And then Back to USA, USA in 2020. That was the big highlights from the weekend. Just to recap on a couple of other stories for you, there was a lot of football on the go. Well done to Vitz, They beat Sundowns 3-0 in the MTNA Cup final. That was an incredible result. When you consider that Sundowns have just been this polished article for so long now, and, um, they've had the ability to just kind of stick to their structures and outlast teams and just be a bit better because they do have a better squad. Fitz went to nil spread and three nil. That wasn't so much a win as it was a complete and utter thrashing because finals football. Well, finals football is very tough and very boring a lot of the time because people are not looking to take any chances whatsoever. So that was absolutely incredible for them. Um, for, for F1, there was, well, the, um, Malaysian Grand Prix. Okay. So Sepang great great circuit, that one. It's a real purist for the drivers. Lots of long straights and uh, again, it was the Mercedes team looking to be favorites. But there was, well, there was scuffles on the, on the first corner and uh, there was race penalties, all that kind of stuff. Eventually, uh, Rosberg had to have a bit of a penalty. He fell back. He managed to finish third, but it was all about the Red Bulls this week round. And uh, Lewis Hamilton, well, unfortunately, his car... Well, flames and more flames. So it looks like his F1 campaign is actually going up in flames. Because now he's about 30 points back from Rosberg. So he is in second. Of course, the final event will take place in November in Abu Dhabi. So there's still chance there for Lewis. But it's not looking so good, is it? In other football news, just to follow on from MTN Cup Final. Jose Mourinho is not winning at the moment. He really isn't. He believes his team should have won 6-0 over the weekend. Which in itself is a ballsy claim. Uh, but yeah, 6-0, I don't believe it. it. was 1-1 eventually with stroke with stroke, because they just couldn't get the chances. Pogba missed two absolute sitters. Hit the bar, bar with one of them, missed it with the other. Not very good. They're falling back. Arsenal, though, they're making great strides. They're now second on the log uh, along with Spurs. They beat Burnley right at the death. Rather lucky finish, actually. Wow, 1-0, they won. But speaking of the Spurs, they beat Man City 2-0 at home. Man City started off with an own goal. And then, uh, well, they're just too good eventually for Spurs. So, bad week for Man City. They drew in Europe against Celtic, and now they lost against Spurs in the Premier League. Pep Guardiola's mighty start has now come to a halt. What he can do from here is the true test here. Uh, Chelsea, they won 2-0 over Hull City, and Liverpool beat a rather lackluster Swansea 2-1. Lots happening in this league, and uh Wow. Pick your top six there. It could be anyone's game right now. Man United will come good. They've got such good good players, and Jose will get better. Uh, it's whether the team could just gel around this. Liverpool looking strong. They're going to be up and down throughout because it's the nature of their play. Chelsea can't discredit them. Man City, same for them. But Spurs and Arsenal, is it the time finally for these two London clubs to kind of step out of their own shadows and uh, do something with the season this year? That's all your sporting headlines. We've got Hazel coming in to talk about sporting sponsorships in a sec. So in order to get uh, that set up, I'm going to take a little musical break with Queen. Someone I'm getting a huge, huge revival on my phone right now with all their amazing music. But a queen for your monday i'm actually reading this guy's book well it's not his book of course freddie mercury someone wrote a book about freddie mercury and i know it's not a sporting nature so i won't elaborate it too much but what an incredible life this dude led incredible and uh, had some really great songs that became sporting anthems i think that's where i was going with that right we've got uh hazel chimhandamba she is the group head of sponsorship at standard bank now Earlier this year, the Proteus had a really big announcement to make. It was that Standard Bank were going to be sponsors of all three formats. Now, this was a really big deal because, well, sport is nowhere without sponsorships. That's just not me saying it. It's, it's life, really, because professionally, everyone needs money. And we need the right sort of, uh, right sort of brands to get behind the sports because – we've seen dodgy money get put in places and then the sport does not flourish if you just look at the Stanford T20 league now that's just an example of how a lot more needs to go into sport than just the money itself so Standard Bank has a great history of of backing certain sports uh what i want to do today is chat to Hazel about this uh the properties that she's involved with and then just a bit of an overarching kind of chat about what goes in the sponsorship why did certain brands uh sort of um follow certain sports and why these unions are so important. So Hazel, thank you so much firstly for being here today on a Monday morning.
0: Thank you for having me Ben.
1: Through reading through your your bio, I know you're a very important woman with many, many meetings I'm sure taking place but here you are in the studio with me which is a big big surprise or big honour actually and you brought me a gift.
0: Yes, um, true to our culture as Africans, we don't um, visit someone without a gift. So yes, that's our gift to you from Standard Bank. It's a Proteas cricket jersey.
1: Well, this is my very the first cricket one. shirt. Yeah. This is amazing. And it's the real deal. This is, yeah, that's very nice. Definitely
0: and- the real deal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you got to look out for these things.
0: <laughs> yes, no, no, I can guarantee you that's a real deal from our partners um, at New Balance. Yes.
1: Okay. So, Hazel, your background, um, obviously, in marketing, um, you've you've been around the block, so to speak, as far as the brands you've worked with, you've done a whole bunch of things. Um, are you inherently a sporting person? Do you really like sport?
0: I love sports. I love the arts. I love lifestyle, entertainment properties. Um, I'm a marketer at heart. Um, that's what I am first and foremost. I and mean, then, of course, from a sponsorship perspective, where I find myself currently very involved in, um, both arts and sporting, um, entities from a standard bank perspective. So yes, I'm pretty balanced. Um, I do love sports. Um, I play golf oh, and, very I, good. and I run. Your, what's your handicap? I'm not telling you. <laughs> My so, handicap is pathetic. I don't play often enough.
1: I've got to tell you, this is, this is golf, right? Every one of us is terrible, which is slightly less terrible at certain stages. So never feel ashamed of your handicap. <laughs> In your own way, you're amazing.
0: Well, listen, I'll tell you one day on the fairway and then you'll realize what I am the job. Okay. But I run as well. Okay.
1: Very, very good. Right. Now, when I think standard bank and sport, I think of two things, obviously the approaches we mentioned, and then the crazy Ironman. So just from your side, what is it about those two entities that you feel from your, your company background is worth uh, worth pursuing? Why did you choose the Ironman firstly as a property you want to get involved in?
0: Well, firstly, Ben, why do companies sponsor entities of any sort? It's really because we've got a clear set of business objectives that we're chasing. And, um, we understand our client passion points, the things that they're crazy about and fanatic about. And the only way to really connect with, with, with clients at an emotional level, where you're not just pushing product in their faces, is through sponsorship. When you look at our sports portfolio, we've got, um, the Standard Bank Cricket Pro, well, the Standard Bank Proteus, which is our, um, recent acquisition, as well as the Standard Bank Ironman, um, series of events, which is now in its second year. You realize that from a business to business perspective, the Ironman property is working very well. We never went into it with the intention of making it a mass event. It's not a mass event. It's a very niche, specialized, um, sporting code, for that matter, where you literally have 3,000 odd people per event participating, but it's 3,000 people that we want to engage with. It's such Um, a good point you make,
1: because I'm sorry to interrupt there, but the whole niche thing nowadays, because it's not just about having a giant fun run or something that's really kind of cross-board. If you can talk to, again, it talks to your point, you can identify things with clients, you get the right niche events, you don't have to have the the big numbers. I think more and more companies are kind of starting to rise up to this now.
0: Definitely. If you look at yesterday's cricket game at Wanderers, um, you had over twenty-two thousand people in that stadium. Fans were able to engage with. Um, it's televised, so I'm able to engage with an entire nation, more so the entire continent, because it's also televised on 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 on, on the um on on the pay to air um broadcasters. And then you look at the more niche one, like an Iron Man. So I'm able to talk to different sets of audiences using the two properties. So, yes, I think companies are starting to wise up to that now. So, based on one's objectives, we have different business units that we serve within our own um, company, and we're able to then just target certain properties to match those business unit needs.
1: Okay. So, just taking back it a little bit. So, do you – I mean – Obviously not going to talk about budgets here, but as a company you have a certain amount of money that you know you can put into marketing and secure these these ent- entities. What's the sort of thought process that goes into it? Is there a specialized team that goes into it it's from a corporate background and go, Okay, cool, we're identifying this, this and that and then you work at the pros and cons. What's the sort of process that goes into going from not sponsoring something like the Iron Man to then becoming your title sponsor?
0: There's a very scientific approach that we follow. So it's I, I not bet. because I mean, it's, it's Hazel's pet love.
1: <laughs> so it's not just because the CEO likes to cycle.
0: No, it's not because the CEO likes to cycle or that Hazel loves triathlon and that we're a crazy bunch of people and that somebody else likes cricket. No, no, no. Again, it starts with the clients. We're very client-centric in our approach. What are the clients crazy about? What are they passionate about? Does it meet and match our business objectives? Where the two align is where you'll find us playing um, within reason, of course, from a budget perspective. And then, of course, as marketers, is we always try and we, 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 we're forward thinking. So we have you know, strategic marketing objectives that we're trying to address at any given time. So even though the economy can take certain cycles, downs and ups, et cetera, we kind of know where we're going and we plan accordingly for those cycles. So, yes, um, there's a team that goes and we evaluate sponsor proposals to death. We receive over 60 a week. I
1: was about to say, you must receive all kinds of things.
0: I've seen it all, Ben. I've seen it all. <laughs> From um, the ballet that you mentioned to um archery, we get all sorts of sponsorship requests that come through. And some really are, you know, some some sadden me because we can't help, mm. Um, but really, you know, some are very strong properties. And a lot of them have a very strong CSI element to it. And, of course, I'm pushing corporate sponsorship, we have a Whole team that looks after CSI so I'm not able to pursue everything that comes in my space I'm able to pass it on to my colleagues in the CSI space but we get a lot of these so we have an evaluation tool that we use a, it's called a sponsorship um, index a sponsor proposal index so we take every proposal through this index and then it's got the weightings like a big scorecard and then it put it through the system, it comes up and you've got a percentage that you see. And if it's below a certain percentage, we don't pursue it. If it's above a certain percentage, then we we'll take it through a forum, which then evaluates, analyzes. We're looking at our budgets. We're looking at the client passion points, which we're always trying to research and find out what's going on. You know, um, our audience is, um, our clients are very diverse. And um, you find that the younger clients have, multiple passion points and yeah. it's a case of where do you get them best is it in the sporting space or is it in the art space you've got the more seasoned older folk who are absolute jazz lovers and you'll find us in the Standard Bank Joy of Jazz which is also evolving over the years and now attracting a much younger audience so you'll find our jazz lover is at the Jazz the one weekend and then the next he's at the um, Standard Bank um, Proteus game and then um, the few crazies in there also then are in the Ironman triathlon so i'll talk a bit about the iron man triathlon as well if you'll indulge me
1: um yeah well look i mean my opinion about all this kind of stuff if you're doing the iron man you're crazy in the head um the amount of time it takes you to to train all this kind of stuff would suggest you are very much in your midlife crisis it's it's look it's not for me uh mostly because cardio makes me emaciated and skinny so that's another thing but joe like it's such an interesting thing to kind of go at though um but obviously something you feel very strongly about so why was the triathlon ironman something so special
0: it was definitely very special for us because when you look at the Ironman on itself, uh, it's a case of aligned values between Standard Bank and the Ironman brand. It's a global brand.
3: Right, and when you okay. look at the
0: endurance athlete, triathlete, it's someone who is, it's got that go-getter spirit, they're pioneering. Okay, this is making they're, sense. They're it's, enduring. It's, and you, it's not like a fly-by-night kind no, of thing. No, we're, we're yeah. a brand that's been around for 153-odd years um, and we're definitely committed to our African mandate and it's all about the dedication, the drive. Look at that triathlete, the training that goes into their, their, their training, itinerary. it's dedication, it's commitment, it's endurance. In it for the long haul. That's what we're all about at Standard Bank. So you find, from a values perspective, definitely aligned. And then also the people who are actually competing in the triathlons, like you said, there are certain there are a certain caliber. You find a lot of them are actually business owners, um, or they're in the CXOs, so they're either COO, CEO, see something in their organization. Very influential individuals, and are able to mine that from a corporate banking and business banking perspective. Yeah, and it's smart. worked tremendously well for us i mean
1: like the bikes they have learned shows these people aren't poor these are these are the right clientele
0: well we can ensure those
1: (laughs) um just talking about like from a corporate perspective of backing big projects like this or big teams moving on to players individual people is this seen as a kind of more risky thing to do for a corporate to back a player
0: so our, our sponsorship policy is really around sponsoring teams and events we don't sponsor individuals at all so, yes, the team has individuals, but we're yep. almost protected to a certain degree by the governing body like Cricket South Africa in this instance. Right.
1: Okay. Because the reason I ask is that it's obviously, obviously the Olympics. Um, there's a lot of stories coming out about the fact that a lot of the athletes were self-funded. Um, there's a big call even from Minister Fakila and Baluda saying that the, the private sector needs to come by. We need to get more corporates getting involved here. But – what you've just said now about the triathletes um, and the entities and stuff, it makes a lot of sense because you're getting all your sort of um, brand objectives run through here, and it's not a whole bunch of risk. Whereas you get an up-and-coming, let's just let's just say, sprinter uh, or golfer for that instance, and they're doing well for three, four years, and then money goes to the head and the high life and all that kind of stuff. It must be a little bit more worrying to kind of go that route. And I, and I would think that as much as you want to help these people, the way I see it, the cons outweigh the pros a lot of the time.
0: Well, yes, there are a couple of ways of looking at it. Certain brands um, have an approach where they sponsor individuals, and we are all grateful for those brands because they're obviously contributing to the greater good of the overall industry from a sporting perspective. But for a brand like Santa Bank, we're definitely more risk-averse. Yeah. We are a well, financial a service yeah. institution exactly. after all. And so we generally don't go into um, individual sponsorships for the reasons that you've already mentioned. It's a very risky area to play in. You cannot guarantee an individual's behavior, um, more so now where everything is in the, in the digital space. Oh, um, it's one completely. wrong tweet and it takes an entire brand down
1: and then you, your entire team is putting out fires for a whole week yes, and working on brand leverage
0: exactly
1: just um, getting on to the pro tiers now the, the timing of Center Bank announcing that they're going to be the official sponsor there was a lot of talk around um, sort of mandated quotas coming into things now when you read in the press now one of the reasons why I do what I do and I have a show is because I want to read past these headlines these clickbait salacious stories which a lot of the time I've learned this year aren't actually that true. But now from your side, you can't take chances. You're not in it for, oh, I just read this on sport 24, so I'm going to put, I'm going to put things on hold. You've got to have your nose to the ground and this kind of stuff. How difficult was it getting into the protest as far as there was match fixing turmoil in T20, um, transformation in sport across all codes, not just cricket. That's obviously quite difficult. Was this quite a difficult thing to kind of dot the I's and cross the T's with in that respect?
0: Definitely. Um, Ben, we literally spent over a year in negotiations with Cricket South Africa. And that's our approach with all of our sponsorship properties. We don't go into it. It's, it's not a rush decision at all. Sure. It's well thought through. We consult various entities within our sponsorship, or within our, within our organization. By the time we got down to signing our contract, we were pretty sure of our position overall. So when you talk about the cleanliness of the sport, um, we, we are fully supporting CSA. Um, approach in terms of no- zero tolerance of things like match fixing and other dubious activity that may take place. And they've come a long way as a governing body to where they are today and we're strongly supporting them. Then you touch on issues around transformation, it's a national imperative. Sure, um, It's not just a cricket problem, it's a national mandate which we as Standard Bank firmly stand behind in terms of making a difference. And I believe partnerships like this will only work for the greater good of the country where we're all working towards the same objective of transform, of transforming sport and if you're looking at cricket and the recent announcements around the quotas etc those are steps in the right direction and we believe that they're more aligned now with the Minister of Sports mandate that he set, set, set out to the governing body at CSA in terms of trying to achieve those targets. They're committed to them and we firmly stand behind them and will continue to work with them to try and get them to meet these um, targets that they've, that they've set.
1: Now, getting back to the whole ownership of things um – this is always quite a great area as far as look at the Olympics. You get into an event like that and suddenly you can't, you, you lose your entities. Um, are there ever cases like where you go overseas and you're worried about uh, rival brands or anything like that? I don't know Standard Bank, it's, it's here, so it's local. Uh, if you go to Australia and there's a bank there, it's not really going to bother anything. But does it get more tricky when your entities do travel overseas? Is there any sort of like things you need to worry about or be concerned about?
0: Yes, definitely. I think, um, as a, as a, as an organization, we're constantly on the lookout for whether it's ambush marketing or any other competitor that may be playing in our space. That's something
1: that FIFA taught us a lot about.
0: (laughs) So we're, um, Standard Bank is in 20 markets on the African continent. We operate a Standard Bank in some markets, um, and a Standard Standard Bank in other markets. So we're a very well known brand on the continent. We've been around for over 153 years, as I mentioned earlier. And we've also got a representative office in the UK as well as in the US. So yes, when our Entities do travel and go around the world. We are constantly trying to protect our brand. We don't relax and sit on our laurels because they've left our shores. We are always on the lookout for brands that might want to play in our space.
1: Okay, onto players now. Now, when you have spent however many millions, or whatever, to get the pro tiers of your team, you want to make the, you want to make the most of it. You want the players here. You want them to be at events. You want them to be in your advertising things. Just the logo is not going to work. How difficult is it coordinating all this kind of stuff? Do you get a certain like, um, say, like a menu of things you can choose from the year. So you get five players here, you get three events here. How does that work? And is that something that gets kind of prescribed to you or do you negotiate that heavily?
0: Well, gone of the days. Well, for me personally and the team that I work with back at Standard Bank, we don't prescribe to a set of rights that have been given to us by a rights owner which is why it takes us over a year to negotiate. We understand our we understand, our, we meetings, understand yeah. our business best yeah. and we like to let our rights owners know what we're looking for. And rights owners like CSA and Ironman are very open to this. They're the progressive thinking, governing bodies and, and rights owners. So yes, we we, we we literally decide this is what we're looking for. This is how this asset's going to work for us as a business. Um, if it's engagement that we're looking for, we'll need X number of appearances in this form. Gone of the days of having um a player come through he sits at a breakfast with your clients smiles waves signs autographs and off he goes people are looking for deeper engagement where you can really connect at an emotional level and so our, when we when you look at the things that we're able to do with the standard bank proteas it will be very different to what the other sponsors might have um, signed with with the same um governing body because really it's all about real engagement proper engagement people want to touch and feel and see the player they want to be with him they want to understand his history they want to talk to him engage him versus him waving from a distance
1: and as far as structuring these events around getting clients involved is there like a sort of merit system as well you identify people that can go to certain events like take for instance yesterday right how does the how does the process go about inviting clients do you have corporate boxes around these um these deals as well
0: so we, yes, so Centre Bank has a corporate suite that we have at Wanderers Stadium and the other stadium, in the country as well. And those are our own suites. So whether we, we then decide internally which clients are being invited to which games and in what form and what manner across the different business units, because, you know, we've got the investment banking piece, personal markets, the wealth markets. So we try and invite clients across the board. And again, it's all about the client's passion points. So I can't invite Ben to the cricket, if he's not a cricket fan, yeah, you need to understand the game. You need to be passionate about it. And we've gone so far as mining the data around our clients and understanding how many children does Ben have. Are these children into cricket? Let's make it a family affair. Oh,
1: that is because
0: if it's on a Sunday, Ben's not going to want to come alone. He wants to bring the misses and the two sons.
1: I always find that annoying. I get invited to so many things. It's like you are invited. Okay, yeah. you want my weekend time and just me.
0: We say you and your family are invited. So even if you come out to our events, um, our Iron and events. We've got a whole family area that we're hosting our clients and their children because the insight is clients don't want to be hosted on their own.
3: No, of course.
0: Mr. Not. X is away from home Monday to Friday at events in, the, in his work capacity. If you're going to get into his free personal time, best you bring the family along. Yeah,
1: otherwise Mrs. X is going to have something to say about that. Exactly. (laughs) All right, Hazel, well, unfortunately, time has flown by. We're pretty much running out here. Um, You mentioned you get about 60 proposals a week. I'm sure you're being nice. I'm sure it's more than that. So people listening will no doubt going to think, how do we get money from corporate? Because people think they've got great ideas and corporate in their mind. Now, this is me speaking on behalf of many. They think, you know what? Corporates are always paying so much money. I'm sure they can spare a bit for this and that. From your position, not a Standard Bank, just from your position, as far as, as, um, as sponsorship is concerned, what are the key things that people need to understand when they're pursuing corporate sponsorship?
0: Ben, you have no idea how many times we've received proposals that say, um, dear, beep, bank. I'm looking for funds. I'm like, you've got the wrong bank. Clearly, you're not t- trying to talk to us.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Can so, you just send it
0: back? This get so the, get the entity right. <laughs> know your client, for starters. Know your client. Um, understand what our objectives are. Understand where we are playing. Assess our portfolio. Understand our sponsorship policy. Don't come to us with sponsorship requests for individuals when our website clearly states we do not sponsor individuals. Right. So do your research, do your due diligence. It makes it easier for us to have a conversation. When I feel like you know my brand. Consider it and like use a the job correct interview. logo. Yes, yeah. use the correct logo. Simple, huh? Yes, I and mean, then just um, I want to touch on um, just about a, a team made some like a sexist comment around Mr X is invited and must bring Mrs X. No. when you look at the Iron Man space, um, there are a lot of women that are competing. We've literally seen a thirty percent increase in the number of females entering, and these are actually wives and moms. So then you find the hospitality area has dad and kids cheering mom on as she competes. So the dynamics have changed vastly. And even if you're looking at cricket, um, for example, when you look at the audience, it's got a very broad, diverse audience now versus where it was six, seven years ago. Sure. A lot more women are are, in, are are interested in cricket as fans. Um, it's cut across age, gender and of course race i mean i was just so impressed this weekend whether it was centurion on friday or wonders yesterday when you look at that field we've seen the numbers on paper and we think okay fine is it really the right numbers but when you're in that environment and you're seeing it it is diverse it's catering for all south africans regardless of their color
1: it really is at the forefront. We look at all the South African sports. Cricket is ticking more boxes than anything. Because people always don't tick boxes. They're living it a lot.
0: Definitely. And that's something
1: I do think is so great about the Proteas as a platform. Hazel, um, is there anything else you would like to plug as far as your social media? You sound like a fascinating person who has lots and lots of insights. Where can people find more of you online?
0: You can find more of me online. Um, I am Hayes 2 on Twitter. And that's where you'll find me. Great.
1: And if you look and say, please, can you give me money from FMB?" <laughs> Hazel, thanks so much for your time today. That was very insightful. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. That is pretty much it for The Bounce Show this week. Um, next week, I don't know what's happening. I thought I did, but no, I don't. Like I said, at the start of the show, I'm going to have more sort of featured interviews. So if you do have suggestions of elements of sports you would like to talk about, people who you would like me to interact with, please, the, uh, Ben at The Bounce .co.za. We're going to play out with some more Queen. And catch me with the rest of the week on The Gareth Cliff Show, Mondays to Fridays, 6 a.m. till 9 a.m. On both cliffcentral.com and touchcentral.fm. Those are your two properties there. Catch you back next week.
0: Cliffcentral.com.